I'm I'm jealous. I'm jealous of you because I've um we've got a podcast ready to, to go, but because of COVID, code enforcement has stopped all of our construction. We've got delay on permits to, to build our walls. So I've got equipment. I just got no studio to put it in. Oh, okay. You're planning to go go for pro, huh? <laughs> ah, semi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just uh, I started when I started doing this. It was I was in my living room and it was just videos recording with people. And then mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'd like a nicer backdrop. So this is just my bedroom. <laughs> so hey, hey, we we got to grow. <laughs> yep. It's eclectic. So what's the, uh, is the podcast primarily, um, uh, centered around trauma stuff or? It is. It's on the, um, trauma cleanup industry. Nice. The um, website for us up, it's um, called biocast411.com. time that uh, I've been at the helm at the Diojo podcast um, I took over for a corrupt prior uh, podcast host that was just running this friggin thing into the ground and so I had to say hey guy step aside let the pros take over and we're gonna we're gonna make this it's gonna be huge no I'll pass on that I'm out it's gonna be huge this is going to be the hugest podcast in the history of podcasts with the Diojo in the name. And already, already, in a short period of time, since like February of this month, uh, this has become the best known, widest distributed, most impressive podcast ever in the history of podcasts with the Diojo podcast in the name. Nobody else on the planet can claim this feat. So, do you need any more reason? Do you need any more reason to listen to the Diojo podcast than this? Answer is no. No. Um, I'm super excited. We were able to get a hold of a topic as it's evolving. Um, let's see. You may have heard uh, we've got this. Georgia becomes first state in the nation to regulate crime scene cleanup industry. So in Atlanta, Governor uh, Brian Kemp signed House Bill 417 into law August 4th, 2020. Um, I'm glad to sign HB 417 to create a level playing field in the crime scene cleanup industry and protect Georgians from bad actors, Governor Kemp said. Um Industry leaders Gordy Powell and Doug Cunningham of Georgia Clean worked tirelessly with state legislators for more than four years to see this law come to fruition. Uh, The genesis of this protection came from a National Association of Professional Trauma Scene Cleanup Businesses and many from Georgia, including Gordy Powell and Doug Cunningham, as well as those concerned with proper remediation and humane disposal. Georgia Representative Alan Powell, no relation to Gordy Powell, said, 
We have corrected the situation of citizens being victimized while they are vulnerable. Vulnerable. <laughs> so this new law has been endorsed by heavy-hitting trade industries such as AIR, the Alliance of Independent Restorers, ABRA, the American Bio Recovery Association, the IICRC, which many know as the Institute of Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification, um, and the RIA, Restoration Industry Association, the SCRT, Society of Cleaning and Restoration Technicians, the NFIB, National Federation of Independent Businesses. So, um, yeah, we were able to land Gordy Powell on a topic that is timely. This happened, um, you know, uh, basically last week, uh, the week prior. And so we got uh, got a hold of him on LinkedIn. We've been connected on LinkedIn for a while. And so I was able to wrangle him down for the podcast um, and, and talk. I, I think this is like in, in a much broader uh, sense, a question that groups like um, I know I've heard at Alliance of Independent Restorers, I've seen discussion of it on Restoration Rebels and NORP, you know, talking about what does it look like um, for a professional to get property restoration recognized as a professional trade, you know, something similar to plumbing and electrical. And so the owner side, we want to be able to charge appropriately for, you know, our technicians, you know, it, it, uh, to be able to raise the salaries and those kinds of things and get people paid what they deserve. Um, and so, um, that's good. But I mean that it brings a level of accountability. Gordon and I talk about that. Like it, uh, you want to, their whole idea was raise the bar. Like there's some bad actors and without, and it's crazy. We'll get into what this particular bill means, what it does and doesn't do. And it's just a, a, a baseline, uh, regulation for, um, even owners for the companies themselves. So it's kind of funny some of the objections, but there's been a lot of uh, positive uh, feedback, and um, you know, so I think this is a good. It, it shows that it can be done, but those that are saying they want to get it done, it's going to uh, it's going to take somebody, you know, running through uh, several layers of the defensive lines to get to the goal line. So, uh, Gordy, um, you know, you can tell um, tired and and uh, recharging, you know, getting the electrolytes and those kinds of things so uh, he can get back on the playing field because this is just step one. So pretty wild, but you know, what it what it looks like, what it means to raise the bar for um, a segment of the industry and then um, taking that momentum forward and then, you know, what it looks like to hold each other accountable to a standard of care um, you know, so those are, I think those are all really positive things. I was so glad to get a hold of Gordy and be able to talk about this in, in kind of real time. And, uh, so Gordy is the co-owner of georgiaclean.com. Um, he's on crimescenebordup.com. Uh, and as part of this, they had to form the Georgia, what is it? The Georgia Bio Recovery Association. Yeah. Um, sorry, and Georgia Bio Recovery Association President Gordy Powell. So um, in order to be recognized, you have to create a professional association. So, you know, like a lot of the efforts um, within the industry to, you know, raise the bar and get those things moving forward, um, 
you know, it ties into what RIA is doing with the AGA, you know, as far as lobbying and um, getting things recognized, you know, much further up. Um, this happened at the state level and things are in discussion about, you know, the federal and the state levels and those kinds of things. So just all around, very timely, um, very interesting um, and uh, enough, 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 enough of me rambling about how great this is. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Hit it. Hit it. So then your, your primary, primary business is, is just bio and trauma, right? Crime, trauma, death scene, um, yeah. hoarding, meth okay. labs. Yep. Nice. We dabbled with mold back into the mold was gold ages. And I did two mold jobs. I, I went down to um, to Mobile, Alabama. Um, no, uh, yeah, that's where Jeff's um, class is. And got certified, came back and did two jobs. My first one, my last one. I said, not my wheelhouse. I'm not comfortable with it. So while well, we went back to the full trauma. Nice. Yeah. It's nice to have a, a niche. Um, well, I don't want to, I, I want to... Um, keep the surprise for myself you know i i i know we've been um connected on linkedin for a while and then i saw your post and um what's interesting is so i do uh, my background is in property restoration i do abatement now so i know what regulation means in the abatement world you know and then um i think mm -hmm. what is it florida texas and maybe california have regulation for mold and i'm honestly don't know exactly yeah what that means um it's a pissing contest to have the most regulations <laughs> yeah well and that's the 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 upside and downside right of it's a two-edged sword right even with what um i'm imagining what you guys have accomplished so <laughs> well should we should we get into it I, basically i you know my i want to hear your story how you got into We're uh, trying to get into it yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully the internet will allow us to do this and, uh, but just kind of go on your story and then definitely want to hear, um, you know, more about, uh, what you were able to do with uh, regulation. How, how long of a process was that? By the time it goes to effect in January, five years. What's happening? Justice, baby. Five years. Wow. Five years yet. This, the, the concept of regulation started when I first got into the business. I started in 1996. Okay. Went to, went to my first trade show, which was the American Biorecovery Association back in 1998, I think it was. And even back then, we're, we're at a round table. We're sharing beers. We're talking about how, how this is. It's, it's, it's not a new service, but it's a, it was a new industry. Right. And like, you know, God, it'd be nice if we had some type of regulation because even back then we could see some of the, the, the wannabes, I, I want to say, you know, people yeah. with, with, with good intentions, but, but bad results. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, the concept developed back then and we we're always getting together and thinking, well, you know, I know it's going to take either a judge or a politician that's going to have a traumatic event in their home and they're going to have not so great service and that's what's going to make this all play out where we get some type of 
regulation in place or, or, or standards. Yeah. And so as, as, as time went on, here we are, let's go back in the way back machine and go back five years. And there's a reporter friend of mine and he reaches out to me, he says, Gordy, he says, there's this one guy that, you know, he's, he's putting all these pictures up on Facebook about, you know, traumatic events, um, you know, just, you know, jobs that they're working at. And I go, you know, I tell you, rather than just get my opinion, let me get about five companies together and you can get all our opinions. And yeah. that way it's just not one-sided. So we're, we're there and we do the interview and the reporter leaves. And one of the guys says, you know, legislation just started. He says, this is our time to go down there and try to get something done. And I said, well, it's, it's got to be hard to get into the door and talk to these guys. He says, no, this is when they're the most approachable. Huh. And so um, back then, my, my current business partner, um, Doug Cunningham, he owned another company back then. And so we went down there as two separate companies. We walked in the state capitol, and the very first person we ran into was Brian Kemp, who was back then Secretary of State. Okay. Ironically, he signed our bill into law because he's governor now. Yeah. And so we preached our thing to him and sang our song, and he said, you know, you got a good thing going, but he says, I don't want it in my office. <laughs> he says, and so he pointed us in the direction of um, – the state representative. And so the, we spent about the next four hours going from office to office to office. It was one of those things we felt like kind of like God led us the way. Sure. And later on in the afternoon, we got to state representative, state representative Alan Powell, no relation, and yeah. <laughs> sat down and, um, and told him our spiel. And he says, you mean to tell me there's no regulation for what you cats are doing out there? I yeah. said, no, sir. He says, those are some horrible stories. And we were sharing stories with, um, with Alan about how there might be a decomposed body in a house for about a week or two weeks. And there were companies out there that were saying, everything's got to go. It's all contaminated. They would get out of the house. And, um, you know, then you find these items on Craigslist. They have yard sales. They, 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 they resell the items. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then you got um, people that were were business owners, I should say, that one company that I know of, not in my state, but he would go inside the house and loot the house. He would take things before the cleanup. Huh. And I go, why? He said, just in case the insurance company screws me, then I'm 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 settled. I said, what if the insurance company pays you whole? He said, oh, that's just a bonus. Uh. And so it's, it's stories like that, that that led to these changes. And um, you remember, oh, you're probably not old enough, but um, there's this, um, on Saturday mornings, they had this thing called Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. And, yeah, okay, there's that one song, you know, um, the bill, uh, always the bill sitting on Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Until you go through the bill process of legislators, that song holds everything in theory it's so true from beginning to end because what year is it even though this has been a five-year journey we went through um a death in committee we've gone through three bill designations and last year we we thought we had the perfect plan put together how damn we were vetoed huh. and i was like you know this this sucks but 
I always have a plan B. Um, you always have to have a plan B. I remember a, a, a Vietnam helicopter pilot, a friend of mine, Rusty. He says, Gordy, when we fly out to, um, to, to pick up a wounded soldier, he says, that's plan B. I go, you're shitting me. He says, yeah, I figured that'd be plan A. He says, no, plan A is get off the pad and back to the pad in one piece. And I said, well, that makes sense. So, you know, I've always liked to have a plan B in place. So um, when we dropped our Senate bill two years ago, we also dropped a House bill at the same time. So when we were vetoed, we already had a bill in play. Hmm. And so this time we, we hit all the check marks. Yeah. And so, you know, the um, the bill got to the governor's office, um, and, and he signed it last week. And I tell you, this has caused such excitement, not only across the country and in the industry, yeah. or I should say industries, because, you know, the, the fire, water, and mold guys are excited about it. The carpet industry people are excited about it. Um, we've gotten, um, you know, kudos all the way from Australia and South America from companies that have heard about this. Yeah. So this, 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 it's been a great thing. It really has. This. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, there's a box here. And you might be asking yourself, what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Let me, um, let me open it. Oh my goodness! <laughs> What is going on? <laughs> What's in the bag? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> this is actually a funny story. Um, in this actual bag is the t-shirt for Rachel Stewart that I've tried to send her like twice. Um, <laughs> all this talk about the US Post Office services. Uh, first it was like I didn't have enough postage on there even though I put the same postage to send things much further. And then it was like, no such address so <laughs> apparently Rachel's a liar about her address so <laughs> Rachel was a guest on episode 20 of the Diojo podcast and uh, she's recently uh, went full-time with accelerate restoration software so anyways what I'd like to say is in the bag is the book so let's put a graphic here right here, I can do this. I'm gonna put a graphic right there. Um, my book is finally out. It's in Kindle format and in paperback. Be intentional, estimating, developing the right mindset and habits for yourself and your team to succeed with estimating property insurance claims. Boom, that's a mouthful. But uh, it's finally out. This is a book that is designed for if you're just getting started out and you want to know what the steps are to advance in property restoration and estimating in general for construction, uh, again, mindset and habits. It's not a how-to on how to write Xactimate estimates, although there's a lot of decent starter advice in there. Um, I do reference there's so many people that are a lot smarter and more talented than me as far as like leveling up and getting more training. Um, this is more like designed for if you want to develop your career or if you're kind of stuck in a rut with um, the Xactimate process or estimating process working in the insurance realm a lot of the stuff that we talk about on Pro versus Joe or 
you're a manager and it's your job to try to help train people on how to um, you know develop their skills in uh, estimating property insurance claims uh, so check it out please it's a it's price to be accessible loaded with value be intentional estimating by John Isaacson the intentional restorer <laughs> Well, let's take a quick rewind. How, so how in the world did you get involved in trauma scene cleanup? Um, you know, uh, people in property restoration, a lot of times you're a carpet cleaner, you're a contractor. Or, you know, what is Gordy Powell's story? Yeah, yeah. How did, how did you, uh, how'd you get launched into trauma scene cleanup of all things? It started off as a great sales pitch and a lie. <laughs> and <laughs> there's... Um, there's a big department store down. Well, they're, they're not down here no more. Um, it's called Rich's Department Store. It's part of the Federated chain. And they opened up a new store in the mall, and I was one of the store detectives. Store manager came into the security office one day after about probably five months opened up. He says, I want somebody in here to learn first aid. He huh. says, I, I think it's important for us to take care of our guests. They weren't customers. They were guests. Okay. I want us to take care of our guests in case they get hurt. So, assessing the situation, mm -hmm. are they breathing? No, Rose, they are not breathing. And they have no arms or legs. No, that's not part of it. Where are they? And so, um, we all had a meeting on who's going to try to you know, get somebody come in and teach us all first aid. Later on that afternoon, I went to his office. I said, Bill, I got an idea. Because I always want to get my EMT certification. Oh. I said, what if somebody in the security office, I saw a volunteer, goes to EMT school, that way the guests that we have inside the store, if they get hurt, they get ambulatory care while right. they're in the store, while the ambulance is in route. He said, let me get back with you. About a week later, he said, I had a talk with corporate, said, we want to pay for your education. We want somebody with an EMT certification inside this, this store. But great. So I'm going to school about six weeks into the, um, into the program. The instructor pulls us aside. We're not having class tonight. I just want to discuss and go through different scenarios to prepare you for what you're getting into. Mm. So we're talking about, you know, car accident, severed limbs, decapitations. And he brings up a murder-suicide. He says an ambulance is always dispatched to a murder-suicide because sometimes there's a survivor. Yeah. That makes sense. And so he says, um, if both parties are expired, don't leave. Always stick around to help the coroner or the medical examiner transport the body to the morgue. And I said, well, you know, my, now my mom, um, she raised this. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Somebody else is thinking it. So I raised my hand. And I said, so both parties are expired, and we take the body to the morgue. I said, is there like a crash kit? on the truck or toolbox that we used to clean the mess up with. He says, that's a family responsibility. Don't worry about it. Uh, so I went on, I said, so if there's a 16 year old kid to commit suicide with a shotgun and there's hair, teeth and eyeballs all over the walls and ceiling, we just move the main torso and that's it. He says, that's how it is. Yeah. So later on that night, um, my fiance, my wife now, I took Sheila out to dinner and I was telling her about it. And she says, you know, there might be a business in that. Mm. And this is like 10 years before we even opened up our doors. Yeah. 
So we all went on with our courtship, got married, had kids, and we'd watch the news. And, you know, we'd say, you know, I wonder what's happening. We always wonder. Well, one day, as but now it's the other one of us. We both got home about lunchtime. We were done with our shifts that day. So we sat down on the couch and watched tabloid TV after the news. And they interviewed this um, older lady in Southern California. They called her the cookie lady because, you know, she delivered cookies to the detectives and she had a cleaning service for death scenes out of her little apartment. Okay. And I said, honey, I said, I'm going to look into that. And about two weeks goes by and I get home and she says, Remember that we talked about? I said, yes. Yeah. She said, what did you find out? This is where the lie comes in. And so I told her, I called the, the Fred Flintstone solution, but I guess it could be the, the modern guy day answer. I said, oh, I found out this, 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 and that. And I felt bad. I felt real bad. So I followed up on this, 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 and that, and, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, learned, learned real quick, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean – um, when we started, nobody else was doing this. Well, you know, there's a couple of companies in Georgia after I opened up. And, you know, I, have, I wasn't the first, but I've been the longer surviving company. So it's just been 24 years so far. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, there's since I think a lot of we've run into companies where fire off duty firemen and those kind of things do some of those cleanups. Mm-hmm. And that's, Exactly that. I can remember my first bio, probably 2002, and that was um, a guy had come home. I remember, I think he came home from Chicago and he found his wife had expired on the couch. Younger, you know, and, and that was, um, um, she had been there for about a week and it was, um, you know, hot in California. And so, did what bodies do. And, uh, I remember thinking, man, this is terrible. And thankfully I had a really good manager and that was exactly how he explained it. He said, you know, I, I know this is going to be tough and this isn't going to be something that's going to be enjoyable, but, um, you know, just think by us doing this, the family doesn't have to, you know, perform this. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that's always stuck with me. And that's something I've always, as we've trained other people to do things, the same thing is just saying, you know, this is nobody enjoys necessarily doing this line of work. But, uh, you know, if you imagine that you're providing a critical service at a time when nobody should have to do that for, you know, a family member that it helps process it a little bit, you know, you're preventing a second tragedy. The first yeah. one's already in place. Yeah. Yeah. Because, oh, you know, the system we had in place, well, actually is currently in place now to where until um, the end of the year, if you got to business cards and you go to the um, medical examiner's office or the coroner's office, drop off business cards, you're in business. Yeah. There's no, there's no vetting process to where, you yeah. know, if there's a, a family, there's a, a murder suicide at a home and the police are out there and somebody thinks to ask, you know, who are we going to call clean up this mess? They'll give you a list. Yeah. And of course you're thinking, Oh, the, the, the police gave me this list. This is a vetted list. These guys are people. They're not all good people. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're not trying to eliminate competition. We're trying to get the cream to rise to the top. Yep. Yeah. And um, there's, there's bad people in every industry. Yeah. And, you know, is, is this a foolproof system? No, it's not. But 
I believe a lock on a gate keeps an honest man honest. Mm. And so what this does is just sets some rules in place to where um, you got to have um, background check. This is for the business owners, not the employees. It's up to the business owner to police their own, their own people. But business owners have to have background check, fingerprinting, um, got to have um, general liability insurance. You got to be yeah. bonded. Yeah. Bond is the most important thing because if, if you got a felony record, you can't be bonded. Mm. And you also have to prove that you've got a um, relationship with the company to provide the cradle grave operations for your medical waste that you pull up. Because one of the problems we had here was um, companies that didn't know what they were doing or didn't have a relationship were putting human remains in the landfill. <laughs> and that's what really got the goat of a lot of legislators is, you know, there's, you know, grandma decomposed. Yeah, there's pieces there, but you know, if you've got a relationship with an autoclave, there's, there's a, a care concern off, yeah. you know, process. Yeah. But just to think that, okay, my, my grandma's inside the landfill. It's, it, yeah. it's just that bad. Yeah. Um, there's a, I was called out to a scene where another company did the cleanup, which was great, but you couldn't get rid of the smell. And so the, the son called me out to his father's home. He says, I'm a former police officer out here. And he says, I know what's inside those boxes sitting on the curb. Yeah. They said that um, the company is supposed to be buying next day or so to, to pick those up and process them. They'd be taken care of properly. But he says, you know, that's my daddy out on the curb. They're treating him like trash. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's not a hard process, but it's, it's, it's one that's, that hasn't been regulated. You know, um, regulation, sometimes it's a bad word. Yeah. I look at it more like, um, you know, a victim service policy. Right. Well, especially when you're, yeah, you're dealing with, um, you know, the most sensitive, right. When somebody's passed away, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the, as I was processing, I'm thinking, you know, I, I started, like you mentioned mold is gold. So I started in property restoration in mold is gold in, you know, the, the 90s, right? Y2K. <laughs> yeah. In, in, in California. And so, you know, where it was, um, you know, hottest, I guess, you know, and so, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I knew then most of what we modeled our, um, processes after was asbestos abatement um and it which was regulated and that was the difference mold is and asbestos um or mold isn't and asbestos is uh you know and that's uh it's interesting with asbestos and bio you have it's a one time right if you get rid of it it's gone whereas mold it continues to come back um you know in the right conditions and so um, but the, you know, you mentioned the waste and that's a big thing in asbestos, you know, a lot of people can remove it and kind of hide that they've removed it or a homeowner or a contractor that's less than above board. Um, but where a lot of people get in trouble is disposing of it in the backyard or trying to hide it or taking it on some dirt road or that kind of thing. And, and, um, you know, that's, uh, I know in Oregon and Washington, we've always incinerated and had a good relationship with, the uh, disposal companies and those kinds of things. So it's interesting that you bring that up, you know, that those seem like those should be common sense things, right? That you don't leave it behind and mm-hmm. <laughs> take care of the client and, and treat it exactly like that, that there's, I, it, it's almost hard to imagine. Cause I know all the people that I've 
been with and worked with have always treated it as such, um, just wild. Um, but this is, so this is almost, or not almost, this is the industry self-regulating, but going through the process to get it on the books um, to where you know, teeth, teeth to it, right? It is, and being regulated is, is the first foothold. Um, the downside to this law is that, you know, we're not licensed. Yeah. And the, you know, being registered means, hey, I've, I've got all my ducks in a row. I've proven that I've done this, I've done that, I've done the next thing. Baseline. And you get a, re you get a registration number. Yeah. Um, licensing is when you prove you got the education. Yeah. You, you know what you're doing. You go through continuing education. So um, we've got a foundation right now. And so we'll, we'll build on it. I am coming to you once again to ask for your socks. <laughs> uh, you know, um, these, I, I think you can see, this is the content specialist um, branded socks. And this week I had the opportunity to be with um, Alliance of Independent Restorers is uh, you know, relaunching the Washington chapter. And so Clark Brown came out from Virginia and we had a group of contractors uh, that got together. And during the course of that meeting, uh, we had a little break and um, team captain for the content specialist, Sock Timber, Sock Raising All-Star Team, the content specialist, Washington, Lindsay Ward's their team captain. You can see uh, her info on our webpage, thediojopodcast.com forward slash sock dash timber. Uh, so here, here's a little clip of, of uh, what went on during that whole, uh, that whole transaction. Oh, hey, Mike and Lindsay. Hey, how's it going? Good, pretty good. Yeah, we're raising socks for Socktember. I'm sure you've heard of it. Oh, of yeah, course. Yeah, Definitely. yeah, yeah. Actually, I wanted to contribute to that. I had a pair of content specialist socks for you. Dang, those yeah. are branded and everything? She doesn't want the people to have socks? What? What? What, what just happened? <laughs> Pretty friggin' intense, uh, if you ask me. I was scared for my life. And so, you know, uh, around here, we don't just do things part ways, okay? I was, you know, maybe scared for my life after I left there, but I just wanted to clarify, what we are looking for is new, not gently used, not clean out your sock drawer, but new socks for kids, men, women, people with feet, Anyone that has feet, if you can find socks, we want to distribute them. This is a great opportunity. Outside the opportunity to meet with Jason and Mary Sturgeon from Arcade Wayfinding. They're supporting, contemplating whether they're going to lead a team, but they had a great idea to help with the safe distancing um, that uh, individual teams could set up uh, Amazon wishlist. So we're working on that. Uh, the 24th is when um, we want to have the team rosters put together 
and then it'll sh uh, start uh, that first Monday, I think it's the 31st, that starts for September. The whole month of September, we're raising socks. And uh, you can see we reached out to several missions. The Denver mission uh, gave us some feedback on how important socks are to them. Uh, so take a look at the website. Thank you for your support. Reach out. Uh, either start a team, support us, donate, share the hashtag Socktember. Thank you so much for everyone that's already come aboard. Yeah. Um, this, this, uh, the, the weak point to this bill is that they were, we had a, we had like a dozen companies to begin with that wanted to help us, you know, launch this thing. And then when the first bill was drafted, when the verbiage background check was in there, they all disappeared. Huh. And I was like, dang. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that's, you know, we we got a good foundation to build on, and like I said, you know, the, the the weak parts of the bill is that um, when we started getting momentum and getting up there, it's where all the noise from the opposition took place. Yeah, and they're like, you know, you, you know what our profit margins are in this, and they're like, you know, you're trying to destroy the small businessman. You know, we're gonna have outrageous insurance and, and, and bonding premium rates, and like uh, so, you, you know, you. To be a real company, you got the minimum of yeah. uh, two million dollars worth of general liability. Yeah. To shut them up, what this bill says, you have to have a hundred thousand dollars worth of general liability. <laughs> and <laughs> that, yeah. that's that's a laughing joke. And so when yeah. it came to the bonding, the same thing. We had about a hundred thousand dollars worth of bond, which is not not a whole lot. And I think we got a, a thirty thousand dollar bond. Mm. And you know, we we met the lobbyists and the lawmakers. They said. Said Gordy, I don't care if it's an, only a ten dollar bond. He says it's a ten dollar bond, and a man's got a felony, he can't get a ten dollar bond. And so the bonds were set at thirty. So the limits were set way low, and just to show that you know we weren't trying to you know weed anybody out. But right. what, we're, what we were trying to do was you know there's a lot of people with predatory practices in this industry. Well, yeah. I was going to say a lot, but there's there's a few out there that make the industry look bad. What? No soup for you! <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, anytime you're bidding on something right, you want to get a sense of if you're bidding against good competition and people that do it mm -hmm. the right way, right? You don't mind losing necessarily to somebody. I don't mind losing some, because we're, we're like wrestlers. We're going to have yep. great bread the next day. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, so um, I've seen some of the objections, and you've probably heard them too. Is uh, you know, this is just going to raise the price, and it's going to the price is going to the um, the uh, consumer. So the the pro of that is that it doesn't sound like these stipulations are even. I mean, these are just baseline. You've just documented real baseline fundamentals for any reputable business, right? And uh, it, it is, and you know, I don't think the. The price for the trauma scene industry, I think it's it's on a downhill trend on, on rates because mold did the same thing. It capped yeah. out and then yeah. it got down to a reasonable factor. Yeah. Well, the trauma rates are a lot of folks can't justify what the rates stand for. Yeah. You know, what, what why do you have these rates? You know, you know, it's well, it's hard to find somebody to go in there and, and do it. Yeah. Of course, you know, sometimes sometimes it's it's not so so hard, but you know, um, you gotta justify the the, the training, um, the um, 
the healthcare factor, the PPE. Yeah. Uh, it's also there, there's a mental factor. And we had two of our employees come in a couple of years ago and they did a suicide and something they said, you know, they're great books are still with me. And I said, how much is it? Oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, they'll, they'll be fine. I go, so, um, Corey Chalmers, um, was Dairy Queen. I, I reached out to him because I knew one of the doctors that he's, one of the psychologists or psychiatrists he's on his show was here in Atlanta and, and Dr. Becky. So I reached out to Dr. Becky and, um, no matter what, we take our team out there on an annual basis to where, um, you know, Hey, let's, let's just sit down and vet and talk and, and go through the process. And that way they're, they're more in touch with our clients needs are. Hmm. So is that, is that something that you offer at your company? Just access to um, trauma uh, care or consultation? You do. Plus you got to keep an eye on your people when they're out of their norm. There was this one kid that worked for me years ago and he loved fishing. That, that was his favorite pastime. And we did like, it's just, I was like, three suicides in one week and they were all like 14 years and younger. Yeah. And his nieces and nephews were that age. And I could tell it was bothering them. Yeah. So I bought him because I knew what he liked. Yeah. I bought him a weekend fishing trip. He thought yeah. I was the greatest boss ever, but I was yeah. detoxing them. Yeah. And, and yeah. it worked. Yep. Finding ways to process things. Yeah. Well, and that's the, Yeah that all goes into the training and those kinds of things. I've, I've definitely seen and been a part of, you know, <laughs> there's not much training. Right. And then uh, mm -hmm. just go out and just clean it up. Or like you said, the um, even with the mold, right. There's people mold asbestos, people that'll go overboard and, you know, rip out things that don't necessarily need to be ripped out. You know, and that's, you think in our industry, we're property restoration, right? We're trying to restore things. So cause the least amount of additional damage possible, but uh, that's not always the case. <laughs> well, uh, every, to me, every industry is like the spaghetti Western. You got yeah. your good, your bad, and your ugly. Yeah. And I've, I've seen, I've seen the good people in this industry to where they yeah. come in, um, whether they're a pioneer, whether they're just somebody coming after the fact where they know they can make a, a positive change. They got your your bad folks, and not necessarily bad, but they make bad decisions. Yeah. They they see the money come in, they go buy the boat, they don't buy the insurance to keep up with everything, they don't buy the proper equipment to to in, increase their their value. Then you got the folks that are just plain ugly that um that take advantage of victims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh yeah, I think there's far more people that maybe just by not being intentional or or not um. Uh, especially the way things are going now, there's no excuse not to be informed, right? If you're uninformed and, and you're going to be providing a service or under-trained, it's really, it's negligence because there's so many great resources. Clearly, you lost a brain Lego. You mentioned um, what the American Bio Recovery Association, is that once you started your company, is that who you reached out to for like certification and training and those kinds of things? Back then in those days, there was no certification and training, even yep. for the American Biorecovery Association. Um, it was bad. It wasn't back to like, I think maybe 12 years ago to where 
Oh, no, no, no. We'll go back from the end. It's about, about probably, I think, 2002 when, when ABRA started doing their, um, um, their own um, shanks and courses. And it was about probably 2010, 2009 is when the IRC got involved. They, they reached out to me. Yeah. Because um, back then I was on the board of directors of Averroes. I was vice president back then. And so I invited them out to a conference and um, they all sat down and had a powwow together. And this is where the S540 started to take place. Yeah. And um, of course, that took about, oh, about an eight or nine year journey. But now there's, there's, there's no excuse not to get an education. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of online for this type of work because I think you need some hands-on to know how the, the equipment work, um, to build a scenario room or two scenario rooms to where you got, you know, um, the, the practical um, yeah. aspect of the um, remediation process. But, um, yeah, um, there, there's nothing back then. And, of course, you know, I've, I've left the American Bio Recovery Association twice during my um years in business, but I'm, I'm a member now. There are, the reason I left was, you know, the, it was a new industry. It was growing. And sometimes you get people in line to where, you know, I, they didn't have the same vision I saw for the industry. Sure. And uh, I pissed a lot of folks off. Um, <laughs> I, I like to, I've got this thing I like to say, I'm, I'm not an ass, but boy, I can be an ass. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when it boils down to, I got your back. But, you know, so, you know, their, um, their membership finally voted in good people yeah. that, that, that shared the same vision I did. So we, we joined back up. We've been members um, for about, I think, six, six years now. Well, it seems to be an ongoing problem with any kind of association, right? Especially our industry, you're grabbing people that are independent by nature, right? People that want to yeah. start their own company and, mm-hmm. and at the core be the best and then try to get them to <laughs> do something collectively or collaboratively. Uh, oh, you're talking about hurting yeah. cats? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and um, it's difficult, you know, a, a lot of egos obviously involved. So, you know, you get up into leadership or have a podium to not, you know, get somebody to not toot their own horn and do what's best for everybody is uh well and that's what's interesting about regulation right you in a sense um or anybody that's doing any kind of self-discipline or professional discipline and development in essence you're making your job harder right you're you're calling mm-hmm. yourself to be more accountable um you know on paper um and so what's uh um as far as the S540 goes, how have you seen that um, impact? Um, are you seeing a lot of people embrace that and that becoming kind of the, um, the staple for uh, the common practices and those kinds of things? Um, I do, but I also, in the same breath, I've taken everybody's course I can take. Yeah. Sometimes it's, sometimes you get a bad instructor yeah. Sometimes somebody says something that just the light bulb comes on. Yeah. Or you know, I've learned a new process to to show it to my people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I believe in in a team effort, not doing it alone. Um, you've got to join an association. 
Yeah. Uh, if you've got your Sherlock ideas, um, one one of the um, stories I like to share to where you know you want to improve. Let me put it this way: um, in our industry or any industry, you want to leave somebody with a good experience. Yeah. It's more challenging with this industry. Sure. Yeah. Because um, you've got somebody in, in the rock bottom moment of their life. Um, I, I show my employees a practice I picked up on decompositions is that when you go inside a home with a decomposed body, if it's Aunt Mary, go to her bathroom, find her vanity, and find the most used bottle of perfume you can find uh. and put it inside your duffel bag because we're going to use it again. Because when we're done, it's the most sterile smelling environment uh -huh. there is inside the hospital. Yeah. 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 And so when, before the family arrives to come back and do final inspection, you take that bottle of perfume and you spritz a couple of thresholds mm. because the most guilt-ridden death is the decomposition. Nobody checked on Aunt Mary. Yeah. But, um, then they come in and go, Mr. Gordy, do, do you smell anything? No, ma'am. And they break down in tears. It's, I smell mama. And, mm. um, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, it's a, trying to leave somebody with a good experience. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're here with uh, V. John Downey, um, ex currently executive director of the Cleaning Industry Research Inst Institute, Siri. I gotta go home because I forgot to vacuum my room. I'll be back. So we mentioned sometimes you have the law of unintended consequences, right? So in some ways, do you think flat rate pricing, I guess it would have done that anyways, but um, in a lot of our industries, it's like there's this race to the bottom, right? Um, I recently was working with a carpet cleaning company. And when I got there, um, it was my first time I had worked at some of the other franchises where we did carpet cleaning, right? The, the best effort carpet cleaning. <laughs> and it was my first time managing a company where they did, you know, legitimate carpet cleaning, mostly in multifamily. And the, the pricing is just insane. Like, you know, some of them you're losing money um, just to get on site for volume, right? And uh, for volume, for upsell, there's a variety of reasons yeah. for doing it. But yeah, I mean, that is, you know, I, I, again, I'll try and be brief. Some of my stories, it's hard to be brief. But when oh. dad first introduced uh, room pricing, he was the vice president of the Columbus Carpet Cleaners Association. And when he first introduced it, he ran ads on the radio. I won't get into that, but the ads produced a tremendous result. Yeah. He got a call from the president of the Columbus Carpet Cleaning Association who told him um, that they had a special meeting. Uh, yeah. That they called a special meeting and he was expected to be there. And he used to tell the story about uh, basically – uh, he was seated in the middle. He felt like he was in front of a firing <laughs> He was seated in the middle, and he had chairs all the way around him, uh, in a semicircle around him. And, and, be, and he remembered the, the words of the, the president. Uh, his name is Denny Dickey. I, I remember some things, other things I can't remember at all. But Denny Dickey, who owned a carpet cleaning business at the time, he said, Downey, what you have done will be the ruination of the carpet cleaning industry. Yeah. 
Yeah. My disappointment is immeasurable. And my day is ruined. And um, Dad, when Dad would tell the story, he said, you know, in some ways he was right. And yeah. it, it has to, it, he is a, totally right because the industry is bigger and I would argue better than ever in large part because of equipment innovations and things like that and including the franchises. But the what it did do, and it's where you're talking about the, re, the race to the bottom, is it opened the door to uh, what, basically bait and switch it opened yeah. the door to bait and switch carpet cleaning uh where people would would run ads that they would clean your whole house for 1995 yeah. and then they'd get in there and you know upsell. they'd upsell it from 1995 to $500 and then yeah. they'd have a whole routine it was a it was a con it was a scam and in yeah. in that sense Denny Dickey had a point yeah he was right because by doing that, you do open the door. But as with most things, you know, as you said, rule of unintended consequences, you know, there's an upside and there's a downside. You have to try and focus on maximizing the upside and minimizing the downside. If you do that, uh, you'll, you'll make progress. What your dad did made carpet cleaning more accessible to the everyday man, right? It removed the barrier. It made exactly. cost transparent. You know, um, whereas, hey, if it's this, this, and this, this is the price. But it also made it uh, to where you eliminate the professional estimator that supposedly knows what they're bidding and make it so that anybody can bid and then people find opportunities. So, I mean, in, in that sense, you know, somebody was going to do it, right? I mean, it eventually, and if it wasn't flat rate pricing, it would have been something else. And I'm sure even at that time, there's plenty of people bilking people or charging for things and not doing good work, you know, I mean, you'll just always have yeah, that. That's yeah. uh you're only as exactly. It's uh it's it's just, you know, and a lot of times you don't know, you think you're doing the right thing and and it may solve the immediate problem, but you don't know what other problems it'll create. So tricky. Right. <laughs> um yeah, I remember reading that that uh, they got him in the circle and uh, you know definitely weren't very happy. He got kicked out, right? This is it. I have to beat him. <laughs> or yeah. at least well, take actually, what it was that was the last meeting of the association. <laughs> just he just ruined everything. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, we used to talk about that with our techs about the, you know, and read from time to time the different associations with different scents, right? Mm -hmm. Just that in general, if you leave it smelling like a, like a hospital, you know, it, it can bring a negative. So, you know, so yeah. we, I, I never thought of the, uh, the perfume. That's genius. But, you know, um, even on water damages and mold damages and those kinds of things, if people That'll smell work. citrus, <laughs> right? They, they, they bring, just bring them back. It. The sense of familiarity to them. Yeah, they yeah. associate that with being clean. Yeah, so. Yeah, because yeah. depending on somebody's age or how they grew up or where they grew up, yeah. it's not clean unless it smells like pine salt, yep. bleach, citrus. 
Yep. yep. That's the size of your opponent. <laughs> yep. Well, and, you know, one of the things they're not used to is some of the chemicals that we use, you know, for um, sanitization or those kinds of things. So <laughs> those can be real foreign smells. So um, as far as the regulation goes, um, uh, so you said that was like a five-year process, and that's just to get kind of the baseline. Is it your vision, or are you? Is that something you guys are still working on? Is trying to what the next levels of that look like? What does that look like for you? Oh, we're on the other side of the mountain now. Yeah. And so now the this goes into effect January first. Yeah. So we've got to to build a program. We're working with the Secretary of State's office, which is where the registry is going to be drawn through. Wow. Um, and so we got to build an application process, and um, this this is where we're at now. We've we've got to put all the puzzle pieces together because our target date to open up the gates for registration is going to be October, okay. is when everybody's going to be able to register. Um, what we've done now is we're um, reaching out to Abra because inside there. Um, bylaws, they're set up to have chapters. And so we're going to be their guinea pig, and we're going to set up the first chapter under them um, in Georgia. Yes, it's not going to be called ABRA. Um, you know, we have to have our own name, we have to have our own um, nonprofit status. So we're going to go with um, GABRA, which GA stands for Georgia, so be the Georgia Biorecovery Association is what we're shooting for. Very cool. Yeah, that's, uh, it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, just the base level regulation is even just some of the <laughs> normal things for any contractor, or those kinds of things. But if you're especially a contractor in a lot of states, there's no re registration. Um, and even for some states for just general contracting, there's uh, no regulation or even baseline rules. So um, that's, uh, do you see the, as far as the, like the S540 and those kinds of things, mm -hmm. I, I just see parallels with water damage. There's a lot of conversations how, you know, plumbers and electricians have done a great job of, and obviously some people would argue the results or whatever, but uh, the apprenticeship programs and the development programs and the licensing and being recognized as a trade has led to you know, hopefully greater consistency in those industries, but also them being recognized and paid as trades and being able to, um, you know, attract people to their industries with a, a clear like, hey, this is the potential that you can get in this industry if you follow this process. Do you see that being good for property restoration and, and in particular trauma cleanup? I uh, do, just for the I do just with the excitement that's been generated so far because um, we've got, see how we, we're going to have to have a chapter association here. We've got companies already reaching out to us that we had no idea existed saying, hey, we saw this on the news, so we're hearing about it now, we saw it on Facebook or LinkedIn. Yeah. And, you know, how, how do we get involved? Um, not only companies, but, you know, um, vendors, suppliers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's um, education courses here that are already advertising. Hey, we got a trauma class um, September first and second. Um, Georgia just passed a law. Be ready because it starts the first of the year. So yeah, there's 
there's people taking advantage of it, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Well, and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how as things evolve, you know. I mean, it's uh, a lot of times in water restoration, you know, um, take this class and all of a sudden, ta-da, you know, um, sometimes techs believe that their uh, pay should raise and, and a lot of the contractors want to think the same thing. They, they can charge more for, you know, certified, but yeah. not fully um, fleshing out what that means to be certified and, and making sure. And I, I believe the IICRC courses, you know, talk about that. Like this doesn't guarantee, you know, how to do everything. You still got to, you know, apply the technical knowledge with the practical, right? It's got to, you got to be able to apply it in the field. And then also the same thing with bios, same thing with water damage. It's always something different, right? It's uh, there's basic principles that apply, but then you've got to apply it in that scenario, that unique scenario. Um, and you've learned never to say you've seen it all because of the damn phone rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, so you said there's been a lot of excitement. Has there been any curveballs as far as um, somebody that's objected to what you've done that, uh, that uh, made you think, or is it more just the common, you know, more government regulation can't be good? We're still riding high right now. The other yeah. shoe's going to drop. It will. Yeah, yeah. It always does. And yeah. um, there's, you know, if, it's, if there's still opposition out there, you, you embrace it and see how to make a change. Well, if you're if you're if you don't have opposition, you're not doing something um, really that's uh, shaking shaking the the waters, right? You know, causing any waves. You're not pissing anybody off. You're not doing your job. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. So that's good, man. Well, um, that's the you know, it'll be interesting to see you know what your you know congratulations on the accomplishment. Like you said, the five year journey and. Uh, really just beginning right that's uh um, it is i say you know georgia's the first state to pull this off and yeah. there's there's like seven states already primed to move right now uh, new jersey's got a, a bill on the hopper i don't think it's been designated yet but they're they're ready to rock and roll um so yeah. there there's more states um to follow do you um so for so maybe there's a, a contractor watching this that um has either dabbled in trauma cleanup or is thinking about um, adding that service to their um, their repertoire. Um, any, would you say, is there any key do's and key don'ts that uh, that you would encourage people to consider? Just like any other um, trade, you know, start off with an education. There's people that have taken um, the trauma classes to start a business and they go, you know, that's the best eighteen hundred dollars I ever spent to learn what I don't want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just, just seek out an education. Just, just or or break bread with an instructor that teaches yeah. the course before you take a class. You know, hey, you know, this is something I really want to do. Yeah. You know, just don't dabble in it. Go in full Monty, and um, either you do or you don't. There's yeah. there's a lot of folks who don't want to do this, and, and I don't yeah. blame them. I've I've actually, I've seen some crap and um. You know, I know you have to, um, every industry has a demons. This one's just very unique. Yeah. Well, I think you brought that up, you know, the understanding the technical and the, the practical too. If, if you're going to pivot into that, I see people, you know, contemplating it, you know, 
you you need to suit up and do it yourself before you uh, start getting other people involved, you know, and just uh, <laughs> make sure you understand what you're dealing with, you know. So, well, awesome, Gordy. Any other um, any other uh, things you'd like to say before we wrap this up? Um, I go through the notes you sent me, but I, I, I think we've covered all the bases. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think that's a a real um. I think that's encouraging and a lot of people have been talking about it and you guys got it done, you know, as far as, um, it, to me, it, it just appears like self-regulating, right? Like we, we want to make sure our industry is recognized as professionals and that uh, people are doing the right things. And this is a way to kind of put teeth to that, like make it. <laughs> there, there is one thing that that schoolhouse rock song did not cover. <laughs> when, when, when we all sat down and talked to the lobbyists and the, and the legislator, we found out that, um, you know, you elect these people and, and you figure that, you know, this gets done for us. No, it's not cheap. Mm. We, um, we had a lot of companies come on board. Georgia Clean was the last company left in the, on the stage. It's a $65,000 invoice. Holy cow. It's just not cheap. Yeah. And, so be prepared for that. Um, get your people together. Keep them together. Keep them excited. Um, yeah. It's it's not a quick process. You, typically, it's a two or three year deal huh. um, to to run the bill. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the hard part, right? You can get people excited initially. I, I think about you know I don't know how much you pay attention to property restoration at large, but you know like the RAA has got the AGA and they're exploring the lobbying and that kind of stuff and um, mm -hmm. <laughs> lots of money, lots of resources and a whole bunch of, uh, a time invested, you know, so, um, that's awesome, Gordy. Well, I, I look forward to talking to you more about it and see, and keeping in touch with the progress. Um, but again, thank you for, uh, helping raise the bar and, uh, inspiring people, you know, what you can accomplish. Right. So. Hey, thank you for having me, John. Awesome. So I think uh, the, you know, a lot of times I try to think of like, okay, what are three key lessons I learned from this conversation? And <laughs> I, you know, I think one thing that comes across is like, if you think you're doing something, there's, there's doers and there's talkers, right? And Gordy's clearly a friggin' doer. So uh, five years getting that ball across the goal line. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, still oh. his feet. Has blockers now. He's dancing his way for the touchdown. Um, you know, and you can tell he's a sweet guy, um, but obviously he's got resolve, and uh, I can guarantee you <laughs> when he needs to get things done, um, he gets them done, you know. And so, um, what do you say? <laughs> I try not to be an ass, but I sure can be. So, I believe it. You know, it's uh, a lot of the guys that uh, puff up and peacock, you know, aren't the ones you have to worry about. It's the, the quiet ones and the nice ones because uh, if you cross them, then um, <laughs> there's going to be problems. So, uh, what a what a cool story. Um, we talk. Everybody talks about raising the bar in some way or another, um, and it was fun. Uh, like I mentioned, I was I was able to be a part of the Alliance of Independent Restorers, kind of coming back to relaunching the Washington chapter. And so one of the things Clark Brown talks about is coach up or coach out. And 
Uh, I think I shared a while back, I was skateboarding with uh, my son and he went to drop in and biffed, you know, which is what happens when you drop in on like a half pipe with a skateboard, right? Everybody biffs. And, and what I was telling my kids is the two things you learn when you biff is you learn that it hurts, but you can survive. And so, and that's the same in business, right? You learn when you make a mistake, that fear of failure is so much more crippling than actual failure because when you fail, you realize, man, that sucked, but I didn't die. You know, I, I, I lived to fight another day. Why let him fight another day? So. Um, yeah, so Gordy, you know, the bumps, the bruises. Um, so I asked Gordy, I was like, uh, I'm working on an article that uh, will most likely be with uh, Restoration Remediation Magazine, but uh, I said, um, I said, was there any parts where you said, man, that was easier than I thought it would be? And he said, not really. It takes being involved. Even when the legislative session is over, you do your homework, you learn the committee members of the committees, your bill is being ran through, you travel, have lunch with senators or representatives, and he goes through the process. Um, and then... Um, what did you learn that was much more complex than you ever imagined? He said, this process is not free as an American citizen. There are people to pay for services like bill drafting and lobbying and the campaign contributions. Expect to pay or invest, invest north of 50K to introduce legislation. So, um, you know, we've got a free market system, right? <laughs> There's access, but uh, you gotta, you got to, you know, push the buttons, pull the levers, and uh, grease the wheels. Um, so... Um, you know, that was part of like, you know, listening to Gordy talk was like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta shut up and stop talking and, and get my book done. And so I'm, I'm very proud. Uh, I, the hardest part is like the formatting and I'm sure there's all kinds of errors. I'm the, uh, the author, the editor, <laughs> the illustrator, all of the above. So, um, but I, I, I would love your honest feedback. If any of you download the Kindle or buy the paperback, um, I ordered my first batch of the paperbacks and so I'm working on um, trying to get some of those distributed and those kinds of things so if you know somebody that it would benefit them again this is like the entry level helping people develop careers managers develop teams and uh, the mindset and habits and so not in any way invading the space of those people that really know how to train. A lot of them were contributors. Ben Justison's a contributor. Contributor, Andrew McCabe, Watley from Actionable Insights. Um, you know, a lot of good people. Um, I drew Anissa Coy with the contents. Drew in input from a lot of good people. Um, David Baker, Home Estimating Services. Kirk Matthews, who was on the podcast. Uh, David Smith, who's been on the podcast, so um, tried to draw from a wealth of experiences, and um, I have always really enjoyed training people that have low, little to no experience, you know, and, and, and showing them that you can develop a career in this field, and when it comes to insurance claims, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, Xactimate has become the de facto, and that was a conversation I was having with somebody, is like, if you're a new contractor, and you know going from being a skilled technician to not necessarily knowing how to price your goods and services Xactimate can be a great way to give you a baseline and maybe eventually you grow out of it or phase out of it but uh, it is a really good way to give you substantive data 
to check your numbers against. It may not, it shouldn't be the only thing you rely on, but it can be a great starter tool. Um, you know, and, and uh, a lot of contractors that we work with are surprised to find they can make more money on Xactimate when everybody's telling them otherwise. So once you get up and running and you get down and you understand your real costs, then it may not be the program to, uh, that you stay with for the rest of your business life, but uh, it's definitely a good um, thing. And so that's, uh, we're, we're hoping to coach up you know, and uh, not necessarily coach out, but uh, so upcoming podcasts, we, um, I bumped this one ahead just because of how timely it is, but then we'll be working on, um, you know, how you can help uh, yourself, your business, and uh, the employees that you work with, with uh, the financial component uh, of their health, you know, and so how to make more out of their money and more out of your money as a business person and leverage your finances. So um, I'm really looking forward to that one. we got a great guest for that. So thank you so much for listening. Please like, share, do all the things. We are on YouTube. We are, um, you know, as a video series and then uh, the Diojo podcast and then Spotify or Apple. Um, you can find us for just audio only if you're on the road. Great way to expand your personal professional development on the road. So the Diojo podcast is infotainment. Um, to help you shorten your dang learning curve for professional development. Thank you, and good night! This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs>